Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know, even the most confident entrepreneurs probably have self-doubt creeping in. Um, and I think that's something that as a parent, you know, there were certainly times when I was holding my daughter in the middle of the night and she's, you know, screaming inconsolably. And I'm just like, whoa, like, I don't know if I can do this. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Attentive Fatherhood on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Bradley Hasemeyer. Each week, I bring you honest and hilarious conversations with men from all types of backgrounds. But at the end of the day, we all just want to be better dads. Hey, attempters. Happy no frickin' vember. Can you believe that? Question. How does someone who was told they would never have kids due to a childhood cancer go on to have two and start a business that's designed to help you hang out? Only Drew Clark of California Cowboy can answer that. But first, how was your Halloween? I, I gotta confess, uh, mine was awesome and also frustrating. Oh, and also, uh, you should know the audio uh, may sound a little strange right now for the top of the show because I'm actually recording on the road and hashtag dad life, I forgot my microphone. It was sitting there on the desk. I pulled it out, then Loic started playing with it, and I was like, I don't want you to break it. So I put it back, and then when I packed, I forgot to bring it. Anyway, so these are the acoustics brought to you by a Vegas hotel room with some pillows around me to make a little studio, and I'm recording on my iPhone, and we're just going to see how it goes. So, yes, hey, Halloween. So we had a blast, but I got to know, what what happened to Halloween? How did it become such a major holiday? Is it a huge holiday for you guys? I feel like Thanksgiving has like lowered in grandeur and Halloween has taken its place as this is like the second biggest event or holiday or whatever behind Christmas. And you you can see this by just checking your social, just scrolling through. You see families with fully outfitted matching themes. You got kids in wagons with with cardboard cutouts of spaceships taped to the side. There were a lot of really good Ted Lasso costumes, though, this year, I got to say. And I just, I was really hoping to do something awesome and really rad. And all of a sudden it was like, no, there's a costume party and Ellis has to go up here. And and we were cooking for some, for um, uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. And they had come over and it was like, oh, we got to finish dinner. And then now we got to go trick-or-treating. And I was just like, I was in a weird space at the beginning. But I broke out of it. And I had a blast. Don't forget to be following the show on Instagram, Attempting Fatherhood. That's at Attempting Fatherhood, of course. And sharing the show to keep growing this uh, and for all the other attempters out there. I've met a few dads recently that said, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Uh, a friend of mine is a new dad. I sent him a, 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 an episode from season two where I interviewed Chase Wilson, the founder of Bird, but he had was like a new dad of like five weeks at the time. And my friend was like, thank you. There was so much I could relate to in this interview. So thank you. Uh, so yeah, text a link to your friends, repost on social, send it to some other dads. You know, let's just keep spreading the love. Let's just keep spreading the love. Oh yeah, I still have some stickers left if you guys are interested, so DM me. Okay, on to Drew Clark. Now this was a really fun chat with Drew. I actually met him at a brand event uh, when we were still living in New York. It was it was one of these things where it's like a few days at a time. There's different brands repped by a few different agencies. They have kind of like a showroom so you can come and see their their new offerings for the following season because they're you know way ahead of the game. Boots, clothes, backpacks, bikes, whatever. And so I got to go and, and met him and California Cowboy there. Dad stats. He's been married six years. He has two kids. 
which is a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And he talks about starting a business and how that parallels starting a family and how tense that is and how rewarding it is. But he he also talks about his brand. And it's really cool because he designed a brand to bring people together. And it Obviously, during a pandemic when no one can come together, he talked about how that kind of took a toll on him. I, I can attest, by the way, California Cowboy, I have a few of their pieces. Uh, I've got a hoodie. It's called the PCH hoodie. It's wonderful. I love hoodies. It's very cozy. I think uh, I'll post some on, on social about it, but it's it's super cozy. Kirsten has this thing called the Wagyu fleece, I believe. It's made out of like bamboo spandex. She loves that thing. She loves comfy, cozy. It's super soft. So shout out to California Cowboy for doing a great job job. Anyway, so yeah, we talk about the brand and how it is similar to starting a business and how that's like being a parent. And of course, the shocker of all shockers, he just dropped on me at the very beginning of the interview about when he was a kid, he had cancer and was told he would never have children. I did not see that story coming at all. I had no clue. We were just talking. I was like, wait, what? He has some other fun surprises in the conversation too. So enough of me talking. Let's find out how Drew Clark is attempting fatherhood. All right, so uh, let's get things kicked off. Attempting fatherhood, Drew Clark. Drew, thank you for being here. I'm giving you claps. There you go. That's, yeah, one big clap for, for Drew Clark, one small clap for mankind. I don't know. Uh, where are you coming from, man? You're California, right? I am. We're based in, uh, in San Francisco, and I'm currently in Marin County, California. Ooh, Marin. I didn't know that. Um, my wife and I actually got engaged just across the Bay Bridge um, on the Marin side. And we, we got engaged, like, you know, there's like, when you cross the bridge, there's this great, like one way that, uh, like you, you kind of go around the mountains and you can see behind you. And there's a lot of bikers and stuff that take that. Yep. And, um, we, I had a Ford edge. I was reviewing it for, uh, I think gear patrol at the time. And, uh, so I was like, oh yeah, my editor wants you to, to be involved in some of these videos. She's like, okay, okay. So uh, then it was like, oh, I really love the Ford Edge. She's like, yeah, it's, it's cool. We got this. In. And I was like, and I really love you. And she's like, what? And so we have on my old <laughs> flip camera, 720p, because that was crazy, um, our engagement uh, on the Marin side. And then that same day, our car got broken into. It was Black Friday. And we were downtown San Francisco in the parking garage. And it was like, don't leave any valuables. And I was like, we'll be fine. And then my backpack with my computer, journal, all of our clothes were gone through and we couldn't find the camera. Oh my and God. so we went from the highest of highs to like the lowest of lows. I was like, thank God I'd already given her the ring. Yeah. Because that, that just, bad. oh, I'd just be like, okay, I'm done. Done with life. This has been a good run. We're done. Um, but uh, we thought we lost it. It turned out the glass that they broke had actually covered over it. And so when we had the window repaired and they vacuumed everything up, they were like, by the way, we found this in there. And we were like, oh my gosh, amazing. And then, you know, we watched it 10 times and never again. So that's how those types of things go. Uh, We got engaged right over that in the same spot you did, actually. Are you serious? Yeah. True. And then we were just talking offline about how we have this Brooklyn, Fayetteville, Georgia connection. This is like you're you're my brother from another mother. This is amazing. (laughs) A lot of uh, strange coincidences. Yes. So give me your dad's stats. How long you're married? um, Kids? And uh, we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, so I've been married for about six years and actually just had our anniversary. And um, we have two kids, uh, one that is two, Stephen, and uh, Liv, our daughter, is four. 
Nice. Two and four. So you're in kind of that young dad, not new dad, but young dad realm of uh, everybody potty trained. Is that that's done or not? No, yet? we're we're kind of in the weeds. I'd say. Oh, is the, okay. <laughs> one one potty trained, one not. So kind of weed dad. And you can weed, interpret that the weed yeah. dad, the weed which dad. has a yeah different hashtag uh, <laughs> maybe on Instagram than than we're talking about. Yeah. Um, all right. So a couple of kids. Um, were you always like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to be a dad, or was it like, let's just see what happens? H- how did how did your attempting of fatherhood kind of come about? Uh, actually, very in a kind of a bizarre way. Um, oh, okay. I got when I was in high school, I got very sick. And um, I actually was on chemotherapy for a long time, um, over three years. And I basically had gone through my entire adult life thinking that there was, uh, that I was sterile and that there was no way that I was ever going to have kids. Um, And before my wife and I got married, when we started dating, I'd obviously had this conversation with her. And um, after we'd been married for a couple of years, we, I started spending time with my nieces and nephew. And we thought about maybe having kids and, you know, I thought about maybe adopting, um, you know, if we couldn't and I got tested. We have a son who's adopted, so I'm very familiar with that. Oh, great. I didn't know that. Um, And, but I ended up getting tested and it turned out I wasn't sterile. So after kind of thinking that for 15 years and change, we ended up deciding to and going for it. So, but it was not, um, you know, it was not something that I had kind of planned on uh, for, for quite some time and yeah, kind of came around to it and got, got pretty lucky and got some really good news even before we you know, started trying to have kids. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay, what, take me back to that moment where the doctor says, yeah, everything's fine. Or, you know, you get the tests emailed or I don't know how it happened, but w- was there like a, a moment, like the, the American Idol moment of like, this changes everything? Uh, I think so. I mean, it, it was weird. So when I was when I was younger, I remember when I got like the, when I first got diagnosed. One of the it was strange, like one of the first things that popped into my head was like, and I was only you know in high school, I was like seventeen years old, and I was like, oh man, I think I want to have a kid. I want to have a son at some point. But then that that thought kind of was pounded out of my head. Yeah. So flash forward to when I actually got you know tested. Um, you know, we went to get the the work done, and um, I think the most um, kind of pivotal moment for me was when I actually told my mom because my mom had, um, my mom and Allie and I kind of surprised her. Allie's my wife. Yeah. And we surprised her and, and told her that, you know, it was possible that she could end up having a grandchild at some point. And, oh, um, she was God. the one who was kind of by my side throughout all of my um, therapy. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty momentous for her. So that was oh, the, that was the big gosh. kind of like American Idol moment was telling my mom and yes. she just like jumped up in the air and she was, you know, not a spry, not a spry woman, um, <laughs> but she, I think her vertical leap was, was proven to be pretty, pretty high that day. Like the Grinch whose heart grows 10 times that day. Yeah. Like she just had magic mom strength and just shot to the roof. That's amazing. That's one of the things I love about this, these conversations is, you know, you don't know these things about people. And I, I imagine, have you connected with other dads who have been in a similar circumstance or not really? It's just kind of like, this was your kind of experience? Uh, I haven't really. And, and I don't, you know, I, I think one of the reasons and, you know, I would love to hear, I'm, I'm sure there's other, other parents that feel like this, but, um, you know, the first couple years of being a parent is pretty, is actually pretty isolating um, yeah. because you don't, 
uh, your, your kids aren't in school yet and it's, you know, it's kind of tricky, like you're really chained to your house because you have to put them down for naps all the time. Um, we found that to be, be pretty true for the most part. And, and San Francisco is not a particularly kid-friendly uh, town, right? Um, although that's changing a little bit now. Um, it's just always been a town where a lot of adults had lived and we, we only moved three weeks ago out of the city. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But, um, you know, and then COVID made that a million times worse. Like right. all, the, all right. the playgrounds are closed, you know, we can put her in preschool, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and now we, we moved out to Marin and it's, uh, got her, got her in preschool. And now it's like, all of a sudden I have all these new dad friends. I'm like, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's part of what I've learned too, is like, you know, it's, you know, part of why this podcast started was my wife has these text chains with all these different moms. Some are her family, some are her friends, some are from New York, some are from California. It's all these different, hey, did you guys know about this? Have you seen this? Have you? And there wasn't anything like that for me that I was connected to. I know now there are websites and blogs and things like that for dads, but we're just not as proactive about that kind of thing. So, you know, part of this whole, the impetus for this was kind of this like, we as dads need community. So I'm going to create it here and have these conversations that, you know, at a, at a pop-up store, you and I would probably not get into this conversation, you know? So it's like, <laughs> it's cool that we can kind of pull some of the, the other things back and get right to, to dadding. And now has it felt more connected? You've got these dads around you, you've got, you know, your kid in school or kids in school. It's, it's been great actually. And we've only been here for a few weeks, but it's a, we live in a great little neighborhood and, um, you know, even drop-offs at school, you know, connecting with, with other dads. Cause a lot yeah. of, a lot of dads are pretty involved here. And, um, yeah. you know, for the record also, I really appreciate what you're doing and completely agree with the, the kind of, I think, historical lack of community, um, for, yeah. you know, for dads and, um, you know, the expectations are very different, um, because of cultural norms and I'm glad to see that changing. And I appreciate the, the work that you're doing to, to drive that change. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely been interesting meeting more, more parents and, and dads specifically, um, you know, to find out where that shared experience is. And, um, it's been, it's been pretty fun. And all this time you're, you're running a business. I mean, in the midst of this, it's not like you get furloughed and okay, well, I'm at home. I mean, we're not really making much money, but we don't have to do anything other than focus on the kids, whatever. So, you know, how, how does starting and running a business parallel to fatherhood like what are some of the similarities there well they're both babies i guess in in many ways and <laughs> that's right how both, old is california cowboy uh so we're about we started in 2016 on indiegogo with um our high water shirt so we kind of started on crowdfunding very okay. very, very small um but they you know they both require a lot of attention they're both whiny um from time to time they can be <laughs> um both tragic uh tragically you know uh, difficult to deal with but and at the same time uh, very fulfilling so th there's actually a lot of similarities between between fatherhood and and starting your own business um no i think that's so true and i imagine uh you know having kids brings a new level of kind of boss life patience uh open to changing when things don't go the way you were expecting or anticipating those types of things. Uh, have you seen that kind of firsthand? Uh, absolutely. There's, there's so much that you have to adapt to on a regular basis, both as a, as a parent and as a business owner. And it's been especially true in the past 18 months. You know, I try to, I try to stay optimistic. That's what you have to do. Um, and <laughs> you also have to try to 
try to not yell. Try to not yell. That's that's a good baseline, and I think that's an <laughs> honest spot. Are you somebody who like? Do you kind of like ev- like um, have these slow like releases of of uh, stress or pressure or whatever? Or are you like let's wait and then it blows up and then you're good for a while and it blows up and then you're good? Where where are you in that mix? I'm I'm a pretty patient person, um, generally speaking. You have that um, vibe about you. You have the like. Let's talk about you just threw your brother out of a five story window. Let's talk about that. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> I'd say that I'm a little more patient with my business uh, than I than I can be with my kids sometimes. But yeah, um, you know, parenting is an is an exercise in patience, and mm. um, it's. And I've spent a lot of time. I'm, I'm a relative, you know, relatively speaking, a little bit on the older side as far as entrepreneurs go, um, and I've had a lot of spirit, experience managing. Um, you know, people and mentoring and that kind of thing. And it's something that I really enjoy in coaching. Um, and what I've realized is that coaching a, an 18 month old is a lot different than coaching a 28 year old. <laughs> so, uh, but they, uh, they both have their, their own challenges and it's, uh, you know, it can be fun, but, uh, yeah, I definitely lose my patience more with my kids and, and I'm pretty yeah. good about battling it, but there are times when you're like, Oh my God, why won't you just do this? Yes, yes. You're oh, going to die if you don't listen to me. Yes, but. let's at least get it there. Like do, we're talking about not crossing the street without yeah. looking, you know? <laughs> exactly. I found uh, the end of season two, the end of each of the seasons, I do kind of like a things I'm learning as a dad, things I'm working on as a dad. And one of them was this realization of my impatience. Still there. I have an eight-year-old daughter and a one-and-a-half-year-old son. And my impatience really is almost equal for both. So it's, it's not really, uh, it's, it's over different things, of course. But, uh, and, and I was trying to understand that a little bit more. And I was like, it's because it makes my life more annoying. Like <laughs> the, the patience element is like, I usually say, no, no, don't do that. Because in the back of my mind, I'm like, then you're going to get hurt and we have to go to the hospital and I don't want to go to the hospital, you know, or like, D- no, don't, let's, well, I don't want to turn that on. We're not, are we watching anything tonight? We're not watching anything. Why? Uh, because you've had enough screen time. Actually, I just don't want to deal with having to pull you away from the screen at some other point. So it's like, it's really me just trying to make my life easier. So that I'm kind of coming to grips with like, okay, so if I can understand my lack of patience is really about my selfishness, uh, you know, and you know, it's, it, sometimes I have good days and sometimes I have bad days. You're, you're starting to scare me because your kids are older than mine. And it seems like you're dealing with some of the challenges that I have that I thought were going to go away and it doesn't sound like they will. (laughs) Yo, you, yes, you, dad. It's time to start caring a little bit more about yourself. You're doing a great job keeping those little humans alive, but if your personal hygiene game is slipping, it's okay. The folks at Bird Hair are stepping up to help out. They're offering 15% off all of their products to Attempting Fatherhood listeners using the code BIRDAF. That's B-Y-R-D-A-F. So go ahead, grab some body wash, hair product, or shampoo. It's made in California using super clean and natural ingredients, and every purchase directly supports Attempting Fatherhood. So it's a win-win. Okay, back to the show. All right, I want to find out a little bit more about your company and kind of uh, California Cowboy. Um, you know what inspired it, and uh, and and how do you 
how do you kind of mesh running a business with with the family? We talked about like the similarities, but just that work-life balance, I think is so hard for so many dads. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a bit of the backstory on, on kind of how we got started. I've been in the apparel industry for essentially my entire career post-college and um, worked at some great brands. I worked at, um, at Gap Bank for, for Old Navy for about six years. I uh, did a couple years in business school after that so I could write the business plan for California Cowboy. And I, um, I kind of realized over my time in the apparel industry that um, what you wore could make you more or less approachable. There's so many great brands out there that have uh, done such a fantastic job of creating apparel um, designed for yoga or for skiing or for rock right, climbing. Right, right, right or you know, for any outdoor activity, and there's all these hours that people engage in of sport, but no one in the business was actually designing product for after sport apparel. Yeah. So uh, my goal with California Cowboy is to really own the apre market. Um, and we create product that is, uh, if you think about those other sports like yoga, skiing, et cetera, like there's great brands out there that are designing product with a very specific end use of enabling the wearer to be the best version of themselves when they're participating in that sport. I want our company and our brand to enable um, people to connect in real life kind of after they've done those things. Yeah. Um, And to be able to start conversations. So we make what we call social technical apparel. And what I mean by that is that instead of technically making the best board short to make you the best surfer in the world, we're actually going to make the best shirt to help you connect with others, to help you put your phone away, to help you, Get off your screen and yeah, you get. I've seen some of your shirts have a cool pocket on the side. It's like put the phone away. Like it, you still got it, but it's like it's here. Exactly, and we even have little. Uh, there's a pocket that's designed that has little conversation cards that come with it, and that's a subtle reminder that you don't have to be uh, sliding into somebody's DMs to talk to them. You can still talk to them in, in, in analog in, in real, real life. life. Whoa, slow down! I, this I is like I'm forgetting this stuff. That's great. You know, obviously, I came up with the idea well, well before I, uh, I had kids. Um, and many of the features, like the bottle pocket that I use now, I've used for baby bottles and for putting <laughs> diapers in. And I designed it to hold a beer. Um, yep, yep. Because everybody, I like to say it's more fun to hold a beer than hold a cell phone. Um, that's true. I like that. That's a good line. So, uh, you, you know, that's kind of what our, our product is designed for. And my kind of love of, of après and being outside and, and, and talking to people in real life is kind of what led me to design our product and our brand the way that we have. Um, and it's, uh, I, I will say this, I would not recommend having a new family and starting a business in the same, in the span of the same 24 months. Uh, it's in both are both of them are incredibly demanding and it's been pretty, pretty tough on my wife and I, um, luckily she's incredibly supportive of me. Um, and many uh, people have told me when I was in business school writing the plan, everyone's like, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to commit to being poor for five years. And that's kind of how this has gone. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. But uh, that seems to be changing a little bit now and Good. really excited about that. And, and, you know, luckily I've had a great, um, great support structure with, uh, with both my wife and my extended family. So you were saying just now things have kind of been a little bit tough. Is there an example of like, uh, as far as you and your wife, like, it's just higher stress between each other or just like, you know, trying to balance, like, do you work the mornings? My wife and I are both freelance. So I feel like every day is this like repurposed logistics. Like, okay, I can take the day for this and these three hours and then you pick him and then he's got nap. Then I'll take him in the afternoon so you can edit and work on your thing. And so that, that can be a point of tension for us. And we've dealt with that a few times. Like 
I feel like you're not honoring my time or I feel like my time's not being honored. So we've had those conversations. I don't know if it's that, but I'm curious what that, that, that is that you're talking about. Sure. Uh, so my wife, uh, you know, really effectively supported me economically for, you know, while we were doing this and we, you know, while I was working in the corporate world, you know, as was she, although she works in technology, um, you know, we basically decided that one of us should take a risk. And uh, that was a, you know, a collective decision. I had an, an idea that I'd been, you know, ruminating on for a long time. And we decided that that person would be me. Um, so I basically quit my job and started working on California Cowboy. And um, for me, it made me feel a little bit useless um, mm. in some ways because I wasn't economically contributing to how we were supporting our family. Um, in addition, particularly when we had our daughter, you know, there's not a lot that a dad can do in, you know, the first couple of months of life. Yes. Um, so I felt like not only was I a drain on, you know, our finances, but I was also not really contributing in a meaningful way to being, you know, a parent. Yes. Um, and to raising our family. And so that was a little bit hard oh, for me. Oh, man, I could see that. That is a double whammy <laughs> type of thing. Oh, that must have been heavy. And then, I don't know if you dealt with this, but there's also that sense of identity in there, right? Like, so what am I anymore? Like, yeah. I'm not really a dad because I'm just taking care of this, like, life form a little bit. And I'm, you know, but I'm also not really working. I'm spending my time drawing fabric. I, you know, I don't know what you were doing, but there may, was there any type of, like, what is going on with me? Uh, it, it felt, it felt weird. Um, yeah, it's, you know, you, you, start to question a lot. There's, uh, you know, one of the things that's true of, I, I think of entrepreneurship is that it's filled with self doubt. And mm. I think, you know, even the most confident entrepreneurs probably have self doubt creeping in. Um, and I think that's something that as a parent, you know, there were certainly times when it, I was holding my daughter in the middle of the night and she's, you know, screaming inconsolably. And I'm just like, whoa, like, yeah. I don't know if I can do this. Yep. yep. Or, or I don't know if I can do that either. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, parents who say they know what they're doing are, are completely full of it. No one knows what they're doing. Everyone's attempting. They're all, yeah. everyone's just trying, you know? And that was something too, like early on, all my friends were like, bro, you're going to be a great dad. You're going to love being a dad. Being a dad's going to be great. It's going to be such a good fit. And then when my first child was born, I experienced those similarities of like, I'm holding this thing. She's crying. I, this isn't what I signed up for. Like, and then, and then I thought, does that mean like everybody said I was going to be great at this and I'm not. So <laughs> am I, am I broken? Like everyone else seems to be loving their dad life and I'm not because those early days are just so difficult and no one told me that. And so there was a little bit of shame involved. There was a little bit of like, have I made a mistake? Have I, you know, bitten off more than I can chew? Uh, I totally connect with you on that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty wild. You know, you, you see a lot of parents and some of them make it look easy and it's kind of, you know, you do yeah. see the, the times when people are kind of floating around town and they like, they're having a really bad day, a really bad yeah. parent day. And I really empathize with, with those moms and dads when they're, when they're having it. Um, but a lot of people make it look really easy. And I can tell you that my family does not make it look easy. Well, you're doing a service for all the other families out there that are like, are we messed up? Wait. Drew's having problems too. Hey, it's the problem. This is normal. I imagine also, it's like you said, like I've always felt like having kids was really like starting a business itself. 
So start having a family, like being married is one thing, but having kids is really, you're learning stuff for the first time. You know, you're, you're on the ground, you're figuring things out. You have to buy this thing and invest in that. And, and so along the same lines, I imagine as an entrepreneur, you see other people, maybe from business school, maybe not, who seem like they're just like, their, their product took off or their business is going great. And you're like, wow, why not me? And I feel like parenting really parallels that in a lot of ways for the same reasons. It, it totally does. And, and I think one of the, there, there are, although there are moments when you like see something happen and you're like, yes, this oh, is going to yeah. be amazing. And you yes. get that, that happens. Uh, you you got to ride that one, boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, those are the moments that get you through as a parent. You're like, oh, my kid, my kid took us first step at those milestones or, you know, when they start the language explosion occurs. Oh yeah. Um, or they kick a soccer ball for the first time and you're like, yes. man, this is going to be amazing. This is going to um, be cool. You get a same, glimpse, this, right? Yeah. The same thing happens in business. You have a flicker of life and it's, and then it kind of, some, some things take off and you're like, Oh man, this is going to be great. Um, but one of, one of the things that I think people, you know, don't tell you about, about parenting. And I think there's a, a kind of a, a parallel to, to starting a, and running a business too. And I would be curious to get your take on this as well, is that I don't think anybody tells you that you basically don't have any time for yourself. Yeah. You give up everything um, yeah. to make sure that another being doesn't die. <laughs> You're essentially in charge of keeping them alive. Yep. And if you can, you keep them happy. Although keeping them alive is more important <laughs> than keeping them happy. Yes. Um, and I don't, I don't think enough, you know, people talk about that. And I think particularly as dads have become more involved in, in child rearing, which is, I think is an amazing thing. Um, you know, I think that dads used to kind of, uh, historically, at least, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, like the dad kind of had a lot more time for himself. And, oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's something that moms have, have shouldered this burden for such a long time. And I think it's yeah. great that the dads are getting so much more involved now, which I, I really love being involved. Um, but for, for moms and dads, you know, you have a little kid and it's like, no time for yourself anymore, people. This is you know, <laughs> you, you nailed it. You hit it right on the head. And I think that that combined with, you know, the cultural shift of dad's involvement, as well as like the highlighting of mental health, I think is a really good time for those both to be happening because there is no like, oh, I just found a bunch of time on my schedule, but there has to be a proactive making time, right? And so I have found... Really early on in our, in our relationship, uh, my wife and I, Kirsten is my wife, Kirsten and I would, we kind of figured out what were those things that we needed to, re, to retain ourselves, to, to maintain ourselves so that I can be 100% Bradley and be the best husband and be the best dad and be the best you know host and whatever. And those evolve and change with your life and your age and your kids and all these types of things. But we we really try to be proactive about finding those things in our lives that keep us sane. Um, it could be running, it could be working out, it could be uh, you know a beer and a football game by yourself at eleven o'clock at night. You got to you, you know there's maybe you have to DVR it or do people DVR? I don't know. You could go back on the app and rewatch it. Um, and you know so there is some kind of compromise. It's not like I get to do hundred percent. I was talking to a dad, um, Jamie Price. He's a motorsport photographer, awesome dude. Uh, just had a second, well, not just, I guess now, like six months ago, had a second kid. He was talking about fly fishing. He used to fly fish, he said, a couple times a week. 
and you know, just having a family and, and being busy traveling and as well, he he had eliminated that. And he was kind of going crazy and he kept trying these other things and nothing fit. And then he went fly fishing again. And once a month was plenty. It was like the bar is so low <laughs> for what <laughs> gives us a break. You know, he's like, it used to be like it had to be perfect and beautiful. I had to catch these fish. He's like, if I can just leave for like two hours and be standing in water, that's all it takes anymore. I couldn't agree more. And it's something that thankfully I've got a, a very supportive partner on um, who knows me very well. And one of the things that uh, has been obviously tricky with, with COVID is that we haven't really been able to see people in your life. And, and I built a company and a brand that's based on that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and luckily my wife understands that about me. Uh, and so she's, you know, kind of actively encouraged me to go, you know, spend time with other people when it's possible. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very lucky in that sense. Uh, if I didn't have that, that social, uh, that real life social interaction, it, it becomes problematic for me because of how extroverted I am. Yeah. Um, and, and I think as you suggested, taking stock is really important. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about fatherhood from a standpoint of um, you and your dad. Um, I think the thing that my dad impressed on me the most was he kind of came from nothing. Um, huh. And he became very successful. He's an attorney. Um, and he worked his tail off. And I actually thought that I was going to go to law school after college because it's kind of like following what the you footsteps. Do. Yep. Um, but when I was in college and he was kind of in his you know, early 50s, you know, I saw how much he was working. And that was something that I decided right then and there that, you know, while I appreciated, respected everything, you know, it was kind of the first, when I, when I got to the end of my college career, I realized how much my parents had sacrificed to kind of mm. get me to where I was and all the opportunities that the work that my dad had done um, were, was able to provide me and the commitment that my mom had to me, um, you know, kind of getting me through uh, all my, my chemotherapy protocol. So they yeah. sacrificed a ton to make that happen. And I took um, that investment in my health and in my education um, very much to heart. And so that's something that I, I think I, I really have gotten from my parents. Um, but when I was a senior in college and started studying for the LSAT and looking at what my dad was doing, which was like working 100 hours a week and change in wow. his you know, early 50s. Yeah. Like, you know, in a service industry effectively where you're like always kind of a slave to the client. I was like, mm. I'm not going to do that. Um, and so my entire plan of going to law school was scrapped my senior year. And I decided to get a job for six months in Australia where I'd studied abroad and then came back and got into the apparel industry, tried it for a year, loved it. And here I am 20 years later. <laughs> so what did um, you, did you have like a conversation with him? Like, Hey dad, you know, thank you for everything. I, I'm shifting gears and he was like no you will be a lawyer or he was like go for it get out before I look at me I'm working crazy hours you should leave or what was his take yeah I mean I think his mental health was suffering too um yeah. and how so, could it not I don't care yeah. who you are you're working those type of hours you're gonna you're gonna have some stress on your body yeah so he you know they they both you know told me to do whatever I wanted to do um they were not um dogmatic about my approach to my career, um, or, or even my approach to education for that matter. Yeah. Um, so they were, they were pretty supportive of me doing whatever, whatever I thought was best. And they, they've supported me, you know, through starting the business as well. They invested in, in California yeah. cowboy, um, to, to date, they're still one of the biggest backers. So oh, that's really, sweet. um, not only have they, have they been there for me, um, 
you know, emotionally, but they've also been there um, to support me economically, which has been pretty wow. awesome. Um, it's also rare. <laughs> yeah. Well, rare, like, you know, other dads or, or other guys, I guess, in, in the entrepreneurial world whose parents don't back them. Is that what you mean? Or just, uh, well, I don't think everyone has had the, the same opportunities that I've had. And, um, you know, my, um, my co-founder actually, you know, his dad passed away before we, we started the business. Um, and he just had twins. Um, he had, he had premature twins actually. Wow. Um, and they're, a, you know, a year and change right now. <laughs> um, and his mom has been very supportive of him, but he didn't, you know, his dad isn't there anymore. Right. Um, and, you know, not only did his dad not get to experience his kids um, or to see him start our business, um, you know, they're, uh, it's just different when you don't have both parents around. Mm. What do you think it is uh, from a cultural standpoint that, you know, like there, we've seen a real shift in fatherhood, right? In, in, a, in a push toward involved. Um, I would say, you know, a lot of the dads I talked to talk about, you know, my dad was as involved as he could be given the constraints of work or he was involved in his own way, i.e. like he never told me he loved me, but every Wednesday we went to a Dodgers game, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> so like, I don't, you know, I, I think there's a big shift, but I'm curious, like, what do you think it was about that generation, my dad's generation, your dad's generation that was like, we got to make the money. We got to work hard. We got to provide. I don't have an answer. I'm just now kind of thinking, you know, about this. I'm curious what your take is if, if you've got one. Um, so, so my take actually is probably maybe that it was less coming from individual dads and more from a, a cultural, you know, the cultural side. So right. The eighties wall street, like money, money, money. That and I think there's a pretty healthy amount of uh, misogyny and sexism. So, you know, to yeah. give you an example, um, when my dad was in law school, my mom was actually working and supported, um, supported my dad through law school. Um, cause they, they had met in college yeah. and she was actually making pretty good money. Um, you know, working in, <laughs> I think she was working for a TI at the time, like Texas instruments. Or, oh yeah. I had a TI 85 calculator back. Yeah. In the this day. was like in the, in the 70, early seventies. Oh yeah. Um, and she was actually doing pretty well, but she said it was really like the, everything that she did was like pretty sexist. And yeah, um, like every oh, meeting, every imagine. business meeting that she had was like, you know, probably like probably felt a little bit like, you know, 10 years past Mad Men. Yeah. And um, I know that that was frustrating for her. Um, yeah. She also decided to, you know, sacrifice her career um, because she wanted to make sure that my brother and I were, you know, able, she was able to spend time with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I think that if she had continued on, she probably would have been pretty successful. But, you know, in those days, like, and still we have, you know, gender equality issues and as far as compensation goes in the workplace. Um, and I think part of it was that, um, mm. you know, less so than, you know, my dad, you know, feeling like he had to do it or my mom feeling like she wanted to do something. But yeah, yeah. It was kind of like they were, they were playing the game with the rules that were around them. Exactly. You're not going to change the rules. Okay. So, if we are both going to work the same number of hours, but I get 20% more, yeah. I don't know why we wouldn't do that as a family. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, you know, the bargaining and the deal that you set up to, you know, that's why I think pair bonding, you know, even though, um, you know, there's many people that are, they're single parents or, or don't necessarily, you know, stay married, um, you know, having multiple uh, parents kind of figuring out how to navigate the economic challenges of, of bringing a family 
yeah. uh, through childhood uh, is is typically a group effort, and and historically it's been more of a multi generational effort, and it's yeah. just become much less the case now. That's um, true too. Yeah, there was a shift away from that. I remember my parents were kind of odd in the fact that they moved away from Alabama where all of their family was up to Knoxville to take a job for my dad for he's an engineer and uh you know everyone else stayed in Alabama which was very odd because I grew up just like yeah we go we go out of town to grandma and grandpa's whereas a lot of my friends they know grandma's down the street you know my I go to school with my cousin you know that type of thing and it was like that's so weird to me <laughs> and and then I moved to LA away from everybody. I was like, I am so out. And, you know, you re, we talk, my wife and I talk about this a lot is this idea of like redefining family. Because a lot of times when you move and you don't have that support structure of aunts and uncles and cousins and all this kind of stuff, it becomes your neighbors. Your neighbors start babysitting or the, you know, someone from church or someone from the Y or someone from, you just, you meet these people on the playground and you create a, this becomes your family type of thing. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I forgot about that element with all this other kind of confluence of, of, uh, you know, lots of working less, uh, you know, non-nuclear family involvement, all of that kind of stuff. And then you got the latchkey kids, right. Of the, of the nineties where it's like both parents were working. No one saw the kids except it, you know, when they woke them up for school and they put them down at, at night. I, I had a friend like who basically was kind of parentless for most of high school. And that's and, so crazy. I, I mean, I can't even imagine like, you know, I think maybe we have an over, oversteer, right? They t- the helicopter parenting kind of came in in between there somewhere, which was like everything from don't bump into the wall. You know, I've, I've got bubble wrap on all the tables to I'm going to go with you to your interview and sit <laughs> down next to you. Like there's all, you know, that, that was a, a whole, I think an oversteer backwards against like parents aren't involved, too involved, too involved. Now, now I'm just trying to like, figure out what side of the road. No, leave, leave your kid alone. No, they need help. They need, so it's, it's like, that's, that is a whole thing no one tells you about too. It's like being a dad is one thing. Being a parent is kind of different. And there, I think they're, they're definitely different things. And, you know, one thing that I always worry about these days is, um, you know, making sure that our kids have time to be kids. Mm, um, there's a great. lot, there's a lot that is going to be coming out them. Um, with how early we're we're doing things like pushing our kids into sports or into music or into you know pressuring them on academics and you know making them fill out you know crazy applications to get into elementary school and go through some interview process where yeah. they're being judged is just feels a little um, it feels a little off sometimes and at the end of the day, we gotta we have we have to leave time for our kids to be kids, and even for for dads to be kids too. Like you know, yeah. my kids love my my daughter loves dressing up, and that was like something that I did probably still like to do. <laughs> How, you know, Halloween's a great holiday for me, and like we used yeah. to do a lot of uh, a lot of fun outfits before we had kids, and uh, you know that's something that I I hope to instill in them is that it's still fun to be a kid even when you're an adult. Mm. I love that. That is great, man. That's, that's good stuff. And, you know, people sometimes will say like, oh my gosh, like Bradley, you, you seem like such a fun dad. Cause I'm kind of goofing off with my kids or whatever. And I'm like, this is the only way I know how to do it. I'm not trying to put on, I'm not trying to like, there's no conscious effort of like, gotta be the fun one. Gotta be the fun. It's just like, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be Bradley <laughs> as a dad. And, and that's, that's come from just, you know, not worrying too much about like trusting that like the souls who were provided to you are provided on purpose because there's some element of matching 
with who you are, you know, and there's plenty of nature nurture type of stuff, but, you know, trusting that like I'm made to raise these kids because that's, they've been given to me. There's really no other choice, frankly. So, but I like to think of it in a little bit of more of an esoteric way of like, yeah, like they're matched with me because ultimately we have some stuff in common. And you're the best person to raise them. Yeah. All right, dude, we're, we're going to close it up here in just a second, but I always like getting uh, kind of a last thought of like, uh, you know, some dad vice. So one of the, <laughs> one of the things that I, I always like to say is, you know, it's, it's incredibly challenging, which you, you know, and I'm sure all, all of your listeners know too. Um, and there has been times where I've been so exhausted and so frustrated and, you know, even though it can kind of rub my wife a little bit the wrong way, sometimes is like, sometimes I just kind of have to laugh at how absurdly difficult and annoying it is. Um, and even when I've been in some very dark places, <laughs> which, which there have been a few. Oh uh, yeah. Weekly. Weekly. And, and even when you're kind of uh, down, um, there's been times where I've been like, this is so ridiculous that I just have to laugh at myself. Um, That's great. And keeping, keeping some levity throughout, um, what can be a really difficult process, whether, you know, it, it's the combination of, of being a dad and then layering your, your whatever career or, you know, professional track you're on, on top of that, uh, can be pretty daunting. And, um, and sometimes laughing, even when it's inappropriate is a good, good piece of, uh, a good dose of medicine. Laughing when it's inappropriate sounds like the closing remark of a like a valedictorian at Stanford. Like <laughs> it's just like there's so much wisdom in that and and also like lightness to it. And I think, you know, and that that is such a great my wife and I are both uh improv background. We met at Groundlings in LA doing improv and stuff. No way. And so we just sometimes we just yes and the ridiculousness <laughs> of what we're doing and Sometimes we have to walk away because we're going to scream. And sometimes we have to walk away because we're going to laugh in our kid's face at what just happened. So uh, I love that advice. That's really good. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time. Uh, love what you're about as a person, as a dad, and then, of course, also your business. So um, thanks for making the time. Clearly, as we've already talked about, you don't have much of it. So I appreciate <laughs> you carving out a, a little hour here for us to chat and encourage other dads as well as myself. Thanks so much for the time, Bradley. I love being here. Yeah, Drew Clark, thank you for attempting fatherhood. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Attempting Fatherhood. My whole hope with this is that we build a community that encourages dads and that brings new information to the table and, and gets you excited about living your life, doing what you're doing. If you have felt that way, please make sure you rate us on Spotify, on Apple. Just rate us. Give us some stars, hopefully five. And make sure you share this. That's equally important. It's a great way to build community, to share this information with other dads. You know, start a text chain, whatever. That helps us. That helps you. We grow this community and all that. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Attempting Fatherhood. Again, thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.